You're listening to Erratic Control, and this is Ed Townend. So, welcome back to another podcast. Uh, they are definitely few and far between at the moment, I'm afraid, but that's kind of how my life has been to kind of fit that in. I interviewed this week's, or this podcast's guest a few weeks ago now, might have been even further than that. It was definitely in 2019, kind of catching up on myself a little bit by doing this. I've had a bit of back and forth on this podcast as well because whilst I've been editing it my laptop has been slowly dying so it's been crashing every like half an hour so that's great I'm gonna try and keep these intros brief James Minas is a producer and a musician from South Wales he's originally born in Greece we kind of go into his history and how he got to where he is now he produces for himself as well as a couple of other acts in the South Wales area. And yeah, he's kind of slowly gaining some footholds in the industry. He's also um, the front person in his um, band, which is called Minus. And they their music will be, or his music will be dotted throughout this episode. There's a lot of music in this. Um, we didn't record a session cause, just because the way, you know, it's quite electronica based and we didn't really think it would work out to do that. So instead of doing that, you're going to hear quite a lot of James's music. You're also going to hear some unreleased stuff. So that's quite exciting, <laughs> I think, if you hadn't heard it already. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this podcast. We did kind of go into some quite detailed stuff about James's life, but I think you'll also find kind of some of the insight we go into interesting. And um, yeah, quite like this, even though it's a pain in the ass to edit. And I'll be back at the end to kind of talk about a few other things, but not a lot because, yeah, I want to try and keep this brief. Oh, I should actually mention before we start, I kind of started off by talking about uh, one of James's previous personas as a kind of producer. So that's, you know, that's a bit of context to what the first words are in this <laughs> interview. Uh, enjoy. Here you go. Oh, Jimmy Blayton. And you've been like... What? How do you know that? And you'd literally written it ten minutes before I because <laughs> it's a whole of a life, isn't it? That was when I was in in Guildford, mm. ACM, and I thought I was going to be a house DJ forever. <laughs> and then I was like, "This is really one-dimensional music for me, anyway." Because I was like, "If I haven't got a fall-to-the-floor kick, I don't know what to do." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be got to stay within your limits, haven't you? I don't know, I was getting quite a bit of success with it and then I just got a really one-dimensional and I think that was when Lloyd contacted me actually for the first time and he was like, do you want to remix a song? And then we didn't and we ended up doing stuff together and I was just like, I'm getting so much more out of this than writing, you know, house bangers because like it's pulling on my musical training more than... Yeah, rather than just like chucking stuff into one thing or another. Yeah. What were you writing house music on? Still Logic. Yeah, not like Fruity Loops. 
No, I've never used anything else except for GarageBand before I use Logic. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's kind of. I think Fruity Loops is interesting because it's like you can start making music without knowing anything about music in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. It's going more that way as well at the moment. You can you can get plugins that can give you chord ideas and that sort of thing at the moment, and it makes me a bit worried actually when I see stuff like that. I get a bit like fuck. Why? It's a, yeah, why? Because because it's it's quite hard to explain. It's more that um, because I put so much effort in trying to find something as far as a chord sequence that's a bit different from the norm. When you've got these plugins coming out that can just essentially do it for you, it makes me feel like is all of that effort. Yeah, but don't you think making a chord sequence that's out of the norm is only going to be interesting to you and maybe maybe a handful of others? Or is it enough that it's interesting to you? Depends what you do. If you if you're putting a chord sequence together and using weird chords for the sake of using weird chords, then yeah. But I like creating a feeling through more interesting note selections rather than yeah. And you could like have a computer spit different chords at you until you hear the right things. Yeah, you want to hear. I guess. Yeah. I think yeah. I think to be honest, it was more scary for me because it made me go, should I just use that? Because I don't know theory very well. Like, I can play jazz piano, I can play classical music, and I've been classically trained, but never spent enough time in the theory. So I am still right playing stuff on the piano and going, that sounds good, but I don't actually know exactly what it was that I played. Mm. So then it makes me go, maybe, am I going <laughs> to use these fucking plugins? <laughs> like, it's, it's always a kind of weird balance where you... I kind of... I liken it to... I, in my head, I think of, like, this is going to sound really weird and it's going to be really embarrassing for me, but it's, it's, it will make sense in a, in a metaphorical sense later on. There was a time before I learned to play guitar where I was really good at air guitar. Oh. Where I would like go nuts and like, when I was like, I was like much younger. This is really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, but but how, do, how do you measure? Are you? <laughs> but like where you wouldn't like think about it and you would just like, do whatever and like but then after i started learning guitar anytime i tried to do air guitar i would think about where my hands are on the fretboard or like where right. like the kind of movement yeah of fingers yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so you'd overthink it that is a thing so but do you get what i mean in with that metaphor if you if you know more about it then does that, oh yeah completely yeah completely it limits your because there's stuff, there's stuff, there was, I was going through my old hard drive the other day and I found a few songs and I was like, fuck, how did I come up with that? And then it was, oh yeah, I knew less about theory than <laughs> I do now back then. So I was purely going on the instinct of what sounds awesome. And now because I've started figuring out a bit more, I can like play a chord and I'm like, ah, it's quite predictable though, even though that could be really yeah. good. And it happens with anything, like you can't even listen to, to music nowadays in a normal way. And base it on how you feel. Oh, yeah. Like, it's all about, like, oh, that's nice. Snare, yeah, and it, it it reminds me of when um, I started doing music in high school and we started, like, like doing GCSE music and we sat down and analysed a piece of music for the first time. And I remember our teacher saying, you won't listen to music in the same way again after this because then you... Cause, well, yeah. I mean, you can switch that part of your brain off sometimes, mm. but, like, when you're in the process of analyzing music there is you cross a threshold and you yeah. never can come back from that no unless you kind of reach never. a different which I've, is i've done that to many friends <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's almost just a fun like, thing to do i've ruined your life <laughs> yeah <laughs> you like you you have to experience this but yeah it's like 
if I go to gigs now and I hear there's a problem with the sound, I won't tell anyone mm. because then it'll just ruin the gig for them. Because if you're unaware of it, then, yeah. So it's kind of, but then, but then at the same time, it will make you like me knowing if something sounds good or not from a like live sound perspective makes me enjoy things more. Mm. Because if it sounds really good and it's just like, for, like when I saw Marina last week, it sounded amazing, mm. and which is really hard to do in a venue. And it made the gig better for me. Mm. And it's the same if you hear a piece of music, you go, oh, that's put together in a really interesting way. Mm. It, it enhances the music for you. And I, I think, yeah. And so like having that music theory knowledge, it might make you go, oh, I gift, can't. A gift and a curse. Yeah. It? It's a balance between whether you should do it or not. And, you know, working with young musicians, I'm always kind of, they'll come up with something that's completely without self-consciousness. And it's rawer and more interesting, but then it maybe it's not as kind of well put together as someone who has music experience, like mm. music theory experience. So, yeah. I don't know. You kind of flip between it. Like I've got to a point now where I do just kind of base things on what I feel a bit more. And it's weird because when I got obsessed with interesting chord progressions and challenging music as far as like time signatures and all that crap, my musical taste or what I was listening to mm. at the time change so i was listening to loads of like neo soul and robert glassman on stop and all that because i was looking for that and hi it's coyote completely like all over them at the, at the time and then when i re- went back to like burial for example which isn't complex at all really if you if you put burial out music on a musical level it's not complex but on a sound design level it is and it was kind of where i got to the point where it was like you can't judge things anymore predominantly on songwriting Mm -hmm. for example like it's got to a point now where i think a a thing i used to believe was that if you it doesn't matter what genre you write a song in if you strip it back to just the chords and the melody that's what makes it Mm. a good song or not and then i started realizing well hang on because then you're just completely putting aside sound design which is an art in itself yeah yeah and that's a kind of you know it's a it's two schools of theory isn't it where it the idea that if you strip a song down to its bare essentials, it it should still be a good song, and that yeah. that's what makes it a good song. But then there's loads of songs out there that if you did that, they would be terrible. But the fact that you you can build them up from, like you know, if you if you could somehow strip down a Daft Punk song mm. into the court, it's like someone you could play it on guitar and sing the words, it would probably be terrible. Yeah, like Daft Punk. I mean, the it, two tracks is it. Happy and no, get no, lucky. get lucky and oh, fucking hell, I don't <laughs> know. Close. Get lucky and what's the other one that was big from that album? Lose yourself's dance. That's the that's the other Pharrell yeah, one. Both same chord progressions. Yeah, is it? Yeah. See, I didn't even know that. aren't like uh, that's very like recent Daft Punk where that's kind of like they've based that on what a band sounds like and it probably you know although I can't remember if I've ever heard someone covering that on an acoustic guitar you probably could and get away with it whereas you couldn't do that with Harder Better Faster Stronger because mm. it just doesn't that's not how that song works that song works literally on sound design and sampling that's the way that song exists mm. because it takes a sample and it takes a vocal sample 
and literally splices up the vocal sample to create the verses, which is like is a lesson in sound design in it in of itself mm. before it's even you know it's a good song. Yeah. So there is a kind of case to be made for both sides, mm. um, and it depends on one, what kind of musician you are, I suppose. Yeah. Because I think some of your music would be a hard to well hard to break down into a, a, an acoustic guitar and a vocal yeah yeah potentially well i don't know society probably wouldn't be well exactly there is some that i think you kind of can do both trying not to lie so frequently i heard it's bad for my soul and maybe i can wait till pay at least before i chip away at my soul could have let me down gently yeah. Before you tainted my soul The family ain't a friend to you Whether you're pale, drink or smoke form I never claimed to hate feeding those needs But man, it fucks with my soul I never claimed to hate feeding those needs yeah. The money fucks with my soul I don't wanna breathe society Getting lost, getting lost in my own world I reckon I'll fake it blatantly Should've got the lid on it for us all Cause society's on a guitar <laughs> Which helps Yeah, actually. I don't really know Cause like when I, when I went to see Charlie for one of the first times he said something about my music having harmonic sensibility or something like that he was like it's really challenging and I've noticed that with all the dead method stuff and all this stuff I still don't know what, but that, <laughs> what he means and then and then that you know you're not doing that intentionally it's no just, not at all it's just the way you not write and that's yeah and when you hear that you're like when you hear that in an artist and you go they don't even know that they're doing that mm. and it's that's when I kind of go that's something interesting yeah. but then you're right then there's another sense of like artists working very very hard to create mm. something they find original and unique so it's yeah but that's why i've jumped completely the other way now with anything i'm doing now like all my lovers failed me that's not fucking musically complex at all that yeah. is really simple yeah but, but it's all in the emotion and the what it's about and it's mm -hmm. just, that's what it's all about and it's punk saying punk is because essentially punk started out with loads of dudes who just had a lot to say but didn't really know how to play their instruments mm -hmm. essentially like not just dudes no not just dudes <laughs> i'm thinking of specifically sex yeah 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 well. well yeah but that but like, they you know that's the it's always funny that people jump to that and then i don't know they're a very manufactured thing punk yeah i mean punk influenced by yeah yeah i'm reading viv Albertine at the moment do you know of a team from Slits? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Her um, biography. Mm -hmm. It's really good. <laughs>
first time I heard about Slats was I was watching um, Los Campesinos were touring with the Cribs and the Slats. Mm. And the Cribs, the Cribs are kind of like this really interesting band because they're, you know, they're from the north and they're very like working class, but at the same time, they're very politically minded, even though it might not come across in a lot of their music. And so they will like work and collaborate with acts that they, you know, that their fans might not necessarily, not necessarily like. So they were just like people watching, you know, these northern lads watching the slits mm. and to be like, what the fuck is this? This is shit. Mm. Like, yeah, this ego. Yeah, but this is where music you like comes from. Yeah. And, you know, not, not recognising that as bullshit. But. I don't know. I've only recently properly listened to them, to be honest. I like Susie and the Banshees growing up a lot. Yeah. I liked Extra Specs. Mm. But... I don't know. I don't know. I can't. Still can't decide what I think of it. Well, yeah, I. I like Viv Albertine as a person. Mm-hmm. I think she's. But uh, yeah, and it's the same with me. And, like um, Fugazi. Like I like. I, I like. Yeah, I like the. I like the people of Fugazi. You don't like the music. What? I haven't. I thirteen songs is probably my most played album of this. Have year. you heard Wugazi? No. Oh, okay, so a mix of. A mix of them. I can't imagine how that sounds. Yeah, but I, I'd look it up for you, if I were you, because it's. But it's yeah, it's a mashup album of Fugazi and Wu Tang Clan. Survival got me bugging, but I'm alive on arrival. I'll be back to safe for the streets to stay awake through the ways of the world. Anyway, just thought you should be aware of it. Yeah, I'll find that. <laughs> but that that kind of like mashup genres. Oh, I don't know. I've mashup and genre and all this bullshit. It's mm. like it's just completely. It's weird because it's it's they're now becoming things in the words of a bygone era where you're like you don't have to have those like genre anymore. You don't have to, but we still do. We still do. Yeah, but that's the thing that's kind of pisses me off that like people will go I only like this type of music and I'll who says that yeah but people do two years less less well your first gig I ever saw you do is in January 2018 mm. yeah and that was your first gig as a live band do you do any Meanus existed before that yeah but not really that first gig um, I don't know Meanus has existed for a while I guess 
but not long before that first gig. But even so, it's been an, just an experimentation project for so long up until this point. Yeah. I'd say even um, the Granted EP is, is an experimentation. I was just trying that sound out. You can listen to the kitty. I want to take it all fucking down. But I know, and I, think, I keep telling you not to. Yeah. Because it's... I'm not going to take it down. I'm just not going to. I, like, I don't care anymore. It's weird because then you're, you know, an inception of a project and then developing that, but then developing it almost publicly and, like, going through your experimentations mm. and but then still playing gigs and still releasing stuff. You haven't settled on a sound, but you're, you are an entity. So it's kind of, it's an interesting thing to have to kind of work out mm. and have to balance and so you're you're constantly second guessing yourself which kind of sucks but at the same time it's it's good because it's going to make you push yourself forward and mm. i think well something that greg says he says that i'm the biggest overthinker he's ever met <laughs> you met me no okay <laughs> um yeah and for some you know sometimes that's a good trait and sometimes that's a bad trait mm. it's it is wholly dependent on you know the how helpful it is in certain situations yeah um because you could sit on a project for years and years and years and overthink it to the ground whereas the first pass you did on it would have been the one that you could release and Mm. it would be okay but then some people won't ever operate like that but i think it's all meanness is literally a result of me trying to figure out who i am and what i'm about and what i want to talk about because i didn't know because for so long i was 100% against singing for like most of my life if anyone ever asked me to sing not a fucking chance like I would never do it I'm not a good singer I can't do it I'm a producer I'm a piano player whatever I was anything else but a singer and so that then we were doing Dead Method and I was happy with that and I was like getting everything else out through production and that and then it wasn't until I can't remember how it I literally don't even know how it happened it just kind of happened I think I started with like, oh, maybe I could just do spoken word because mm-hmm. then I'd have to sing. Do some Saul Williams shit. Yeah. And then I just started singing. I don't even know how. I just started singing. Is and... it because you like wrote a track and you're like, this needs singing on it and no one else is going to do it. So I'm going to do it. I think initially the little idea I had was like, oh, if I can roughly sing stuff, then I can send that to Lloyd as an idea and yeah. then we can go from there because I'm a shit singer and, you know, he's better. Yeah. And he's still better. I'll never be as good a singer as Lloyd. There's some insane pipes on that boy. Yeah, but um, I started realising that it was a, a medium to talk about what I wanted to talk about yeah. for the first time. I'd never had that before. I wrote house music and I produced in Dead Method, but there's no way to really talk about the things I want to talk about. And I got a lot to talk about. Um, and seeing as that music's kind of the, the thing that I can express myself through and the only thing I can really express myself through now... I was like, shit, I really need to express myself. Well, it's, like, it's it's so, like, were you ever writing lyrics or writing even poetry or anything before you started? I've always... Okay, so I fibbed a bit there, probably. So I've always written lyrics my whole life. Mm. I toyed with singing a couple of times, but very secluded, didn't show anyone. Yeah. Um, but mostly I was rapping. Yeah. Um so there was a point in uni where I probably smoked way too much weed and drank too much alcohol that I thought I'm going to be a rapper and that was going to be it. Um, and I revisited that again in, um, when was it? Was, I did a hub gig. All right. Before we knew. Each other. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I see, I seen the photo of it. Yeah. 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 And it was rap spoken word singing mm-hmm. stuff. 
but I think for me it was like getting a new instrument. So I just got on this like, holy shit, I'm using my voice yeah. and I'm okay with it. But for that gig, I dropped MDMA t- to do it because I couldn't. That's how fucking bad it yeah. was. I was like, I'm actually going to go and s- put a microphone in front of my face. I was like, that's not, that's not going to. So I dropped MDMA, which was dumb as hell. I probably gave the weirdest performance of my life. <laughs> it's really intense. <laughs> but it was those things and those little gigs that before the gig I did at Moon. And I was just like, I remember a few weeks after that, just thinking, looking back at the photos and just like, oh, that's not really me. Like, I'm trying to become something because I'm so desperate to make meanness a thing mm. that I think I need to just kind of just piss around and just do it for fun and see what happens. And it went from there and it did go through a lot of weird episodes. Some were more rappy, some was more singy, some was more thing. And I think the way it is now is because for the first time since so it was the launch show we did foreign and i was shouting yeah and i was like this feels really good (laughs) and it feels like i'm getting things out because my biggest issue in music is is i need to get my anger out because that's something i've struggled with over years is my anger i was dragging my ass across the floor like a dog hey you got right four and i'll pay you back later he was like you've had six off me this week bro and it was that gig, and then we did the Equinox gig in West Wales, then we did the Black Elvis gig, then we did the gig at the Moon that we just did. And every one of those gigs, I've got off stage and been, and I had to like lean against something because I'm so fucked. But like, I was like, I'm finally getting it out, I'm finally yeah. venting, I'm finally expressing through music. So now I'm in that position where I need to do that, but also not let go of all the melodic, weird electronic stuff. And that's where I've, like, that's why I'm going in with Charlie, for example, because I don't, I've got to a point where I don't feel like I can do it on my own anymore, as far as this is concerned, because I'm just... It's because it's hard to step outside. Well, I've got nothing to compare it to. It's not like I've sat down and gone, right, I want to, I want to write songs like the Arctic Monkeys. (laughs) That'd be fucking fine, because then I just (laughs) listen to the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know what I want to write. I don't want to write songs like anyone. I just want to write songs that... I can stand behind and go, yeah, I got everything out there and it's important. But I just... And then it I've comes, got about 30? Yeah. And then <laughs> it, an album? So it's fucked, man. And then it comes back to that idea of, like, maybe if you you were younger, <clears throat> you would just write songs and be okay with that. But you're stepping... You're not able to <clears throat> just cut yourself off from the, the way those songs are. Mm. So, I think what the stuff the stuff I talk about in music isn't just for me stuff I can sing a nice melody and say it through because the stuff I talk about is, is stuff that I feel um, to a degree needs to be shoved in people's faces. People talk about mental health yeah, awareness. They talk not, about the way the world works. It's relatable. It is relatable, yeah. yeah. And that's the most important thing. She says she gave a fuck about mental health. A lot of us say we do. But I'm okay, big boy, all day. I won't cry, that's no man's way. Punched myself in the face, gave up on walls. Maybe I'm too weak to leave a marker. Have to tell the boss tomorrow. Had a little much to drink and tripped over in the dark. The weed used to help the speed. It's relatable in a way because it's so honest, and it's it's interesting to me because I asked that question. Oh, did, how long have you been writing lyrics for? A long time have you been writing poetry? Because there's something about your lyrics that are so honest that it makes me think that you you just you just don't think about like lyric writing. You just write it, you just write it and it goes, you're not thinking about structure. You're not thinking about um, 
like verse chorus verse chorus rhyming things like that the way lyrics no, are I've meant never, to be written no I've never thought about that people who've written lyrics and like written poetry or whatever mm. all their lives they'll settle into something and they'll you know they'll understand the way it's done but the way you write and the way that it's so to the point and there's not a lot of metaphor mm. is so kind of outside of what lyric writing is meant to be in inverted yeah. quotes so that's why I asked that question because it doesn't seem like, you know, not generic but not normal lyric writing. Yeah. So yeah, but it's interesting that you just wouldn't. It's all just come from figuring out who I am, both in life and both in music, and going through all these different phases of literally deciding I'm a rapper, literally deciding I'm James Blake style. <laughs> gonna you know like at one point i was going to be not look at the crowd at all yeah um and mm. stay behind a keyboard and then i realized wait my favorite person or one of my favorite people as far as stage and and performance is chino yeah. from deftones he's never gonna fucking stand behind a keyboard quietly no and but then you know when you say there's it's hard to compare yourself to other people i it's weird because he's never done like the both what you're doing he's done yeah. that kind of electronica side of things but then he's kind of very reserved in that but then he's done the deftone side of things which is like very heavy mm. but he's never kind of gone in the middle which is what you're doing mm. which is i think is really cool unless he does unless he they turn around and bring out an album now and you get to go fuck that's what i'm trying well, to apparently do. <laughs> the next album is meant to be resemblance of white pony which i'm fucking yeah but stoked they're about. always gonna say that aren't they? it fucking better be well because i even... thought Ko- Ko- koino yakan was pretty close but to white pony well it was it it I was think very it's, it's their it was their best since white pony in my opinion yeah because it i don't know it, it yeah it's yeah it's the, i'm just trying to think which ones i've listened to more and it is white pony around the fur and koino you kind of my most listened yeah. to ones around the fur yeah but i do dip into like saturday night rest and yeah, yeah. diamond eyes a bit but gore's the one i've gone back to least except for the track doomed user all right that track yeah that gore was weird man mm. i know i don't, don't think i invested enough time in it because it didn't capture me in the way the other stuff has but i'm sure i don't know if i look like tried it again mm. it's weird man deftones are the best band in the world <laughs> but it's because they've been around for so long as well and it's like you know, to go through that evolution and then to go through some really rough shit as a band. Yeah. Like, it's been really, it's really interesting. And like some of those, but then, you know, I say Cornelia Khan's like, I was so in love with that album, but then there's stuff off Diamond Eyes, which is like, fuck, that's good. Jesus, that's good. Like, like You've Seen the Butcher is like so underrated as a song. It's just like... The, the Rocket Skates. Yeah. Well, Rocket Skates is insane. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, you know, the, the way they can build tension and then the way, I don't know, man, it's it's pretty, pretty magical. I think, yeah, no, like, I think the reason I brought it up was, I, I, I think I'm still waiting to meet someone who's similar to me in this way, but it's kind of where you get so obsessed with something you see. So if I see, um, so if I was, I was making this rap music, for example, and then I'd listen to Burial and I'd go, wait, no, no, I want to be like that. Yeah. 
And I did that for so long. And in the last few few months to a year, it's been the first time I've sat down and gone, no, what do I want to do? Yeah. And I went right back and it was going right back to what I, what I imagined myself doing as a kid. Um, when I was, when I was older and in a band, it was always, I get in people's faces. I shout about things that are important. And so it was, wasn't until that, that I've kind of, I think I'm onto something now, which is me. And it feels, feels right. It doesn't feel like I'm copying anyone. It doesn't feel like I'm trying to be anything apart from myself. And I think that statement about like, you looking back and going, oh, this is what, this is the kind of music I Like, there's two things to that. There's Jack White said about the Dead Weather, that Dead Weather's the band he wanted, he would have wanted to be in as a teenager. Mm. And then there's also, like, I work with, you know, young musicians all the time, and the ones that are harder to work with are actually the older ones Mm. because they're so self-checking themselves and they're kind of so, kind of, not jaded, but, like, they are kind of taking a lot of influence from outside rather than just going, I want to make music. Mm. And I think, you know, you lose that. You do at a certain age, you'll lose that kind of, you, you'll be restricted by, you know, people's opinions of you and mm. it can really dampen the way you make music or make art mm. or whatever. And I think... Well, there's something, it's a bit lame to say, it's not lame to say actually, it's a really good observation, but it's something Jimmy Iovine said in, in the the documentary with dr dre i've got the name of uh, something ones or something like that the defiant ones the defiant ones yeah but it was a really arrogant thing to put them on. yeah regardless <laughs> of what you think of him what he yeah. said was really good and it was essentially that when you look at a racehorse they have blinders on mm. because they can't they haven't got if you start looking at what the horses are doing they're gonna fall over or whatever and that really resonated with me when i watched it a year ago and i went fuck (laughs) everything I've been doing isn't don't get me wrong like I never it was never like I heard a song and copied it or anything like that it was more just that I was so unsure of who to be as an artist and it was that battle of like making music for you but also you know you want to you want to get recognized so what are people listening to and it's jumping on trends but then reverting back from that because oh no now I'm just jumping on a trend I want to be unique and it was this constant battle between trying to be unique but also not be unique and be part of it. It's like the fitting in battle with everything. Yeah, it was, I just ended up, this is just all quite a blur really. And all the songs I wrote, I st- can't to this day stand behind. And it's like being a running joke between us and like, you know, all my mates. It's like, oh, anytime you'll make a song, you'll be sick of it and you'll hate it in a, in a while. And that has been true. But I think it's because I didn't really, I still didn't know at the time. So the only reason that was happening was because I'd write a song and then a few months later I'd worked a bit more out of myself and I'd write another one. Yeah. And so it felt closer and closer each time. And yeah. And I think I basically finally got to that point now where I'm just like, no, I think this is this is right now. I think this is what I'm supposed to be writing about. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give it six months. Oh god. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, you can get into a certain kind of mindset and then something will knock you off again and it's kind of that's always rough. But it's you know, I feel that way and I don't even make music and it's like you'll get you'll go, Why are this act so successful and mm. this other act aren't? What's the what's the point of doing this anymore? I hate it. Mm. <laughs> but I, but you're right, like it should be about what you want to do and I kind of always say to people as well I don't take my own advice because I'm an idiot but well not that taking my own advice would be any um, 
I don't take always take my own advice on it, but I say if you're making music and you like it, someone else out there is going to like it as well. Yeah. And it, you don't have to worry about how many people you're going to make like mm. it. You just know that someone out there is going to like it. And it may not be a million people, mm. but it may be just enough that it's worth doing. It was that Jimmy Ivan comment paired with something Tom York said after making anime, and that was recently. And he said the moment... It was so real. He was just like, the moment you start... if you, When you're in your creative process, the moment you start thinking about who was who's going to like it, you're dead. Yeah. There is you just fucking stop yeah like, there's no there's no point carrying Tom on. York is like the last person I would think who would give a fuck what anyone else thought about yeah music. but they're the people I look up to like yeah. Barry Old Tom York Gino these people and, and Keith Flint from Prodigy you know said in a big interview he said oh we just fucking make music that we like yeah and the idols I look up to all say that in some way that, you know they say it in their own words but it's all the same thing don't think about what other people think and it'll, you'll just thrive I suppose. But then, you know, so many... There are artists out there who can do that, but then I think there are also artists out there who need direction from other things. Yeah, and but it, it depends what, what field of the music you're entering in, I think. I don't know. I don't... But then I don't necessarily think it makes you any less of an artist if you need influence from other No, no, areas. not at all. But I think it was for my search. Like, I was never going to be happy writing music that I knew would be popular, if you know what I mean. Um... And there's nothing wrong with doing that. Music is creative. Music's also a business. Music's whatever. Yeah. But for me, I have to just be expressing myself. And the most important thing is that people relate, not that people listen. The important thing for me is that people, you know, the biggest thing, and it sounds really cliche, but the biggest thing for me is that at some point in my career, someone's going to come up and be like, your music really helped me through something. Yeah. And it sounds really cliche. No, it sounds I like mean, bullshit, but it's not. That's genuinely yeah, something I asked, for me. I asked a question a while ago. I asked what would you... Because I always feel really uncomfortable talking to artists I like mm. and kind of expressing the way they make me feel about music. But the at the end of the day, that's why people... That's often why people make music is to kind of like give... give well, no, not no, it's not why people make music, but people appreciate that. Mm. That's like the highest form of compliment you can give if, if you say your music. Like emotionally emotionally impacts yeah. me in like in a good way not in a bad way mm. and i think yeah you know you have to kind of be all right with that but it doesn't like it doesn't matter what music you do like any artist on a big scale has been helping people and like you can get people like i've been a bit i've been part of it like slating pop music yeah and just calling it formulaic and yeah. blah 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 but it is still you know, like, um, I don't know, think of a pop artist now. Um, give me a pop artist there, a random yeah, one. Justin Bieber, for yeah, example. Okay, He's, his music has definitely helped to yeah, people cool. through yeah, things. Yeah. And so therefore, why does it fucking matter? Yeah, true, true. Yeah, and I really hate people who, like, tear down music because it's popular. Mm. Or tear down music because... They don't, no, no, even worse than that is they don't like music and they'll tear it down and they'll be like, why is this popular? Mm. It's like, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it shouldn't be popular. Mm. Like, there's a reason why it's popular. I put, I don't like Justin Bieber's music, no, really. But, I, but like, it's... I was for so many years pissed off at the music industry. Yeah. And like, it's completely business module, blah, blah, blah. But then looking back it's, and doing more research, it's, it's 
been that way for a lot longer than we realise. Of course it has. It's exploited artists for a lot longer than we realise. And you can get into music to make money or you can get into music to be creative or both or whatever. Yeah. But what I've learned, and this is just as far as I'm concerned, is you need to not give a fuck about mm. why people are doing music and what music's popular because it's just too much. It's too yeah. much to think about. Just do your thing. Like, but it's, do it's your interesting thing, because, like. you know, I work with people who are, are strictly musicians and strictly making music to make music for themselves or for to make music as an artistic thing. And then I work with people who are strictly business people who will mm. work in the music industry <clears> to make money. Yeah. And I, you know, I lean the, the former way. Like I want, I want to engage and work with artists who are good at music and have a good message and all of this. But then I am too far that way. And I will get pissed off at artists who are, I don't like, and I think of, bland in the middle of the road whereas those business people are going yeah but that's sellable yeah and i need to stop being in both in i need to be in both camps because but for even me, now when you just even you just saying that just gave me a feeling in my stomach yeah just like, but because we're like because we're like that yeah. but it doesn't but that's because we're like that whereas you know yeah you know, i'm not saying a majority of people are the other way where they like to listen to music as a background thing i don't know because i've worked in the music industry for so long now i mainly only know people who like music for music mm. not as a kind of background thing it's weirds me out that people like music as a background thing as an extra element of their life rather than an integral part of their life because music has always been an integral part of my life mm. and i i it's hard for me to step outside of that mentality mm. and recognize that people like music because it's just something they could do on the weekend. Well, it's like, it's the same thing as realizing that Tories actually exist. <laughs> and it, it's the same though, isn't it? And I've, my mate, well, my mate Kai from Larch, first time we met for, um, for a pint, he said to me, if you saw the likes, the things I've liked on Facebook, you'd be fucking shocked. But the reason is, is because he liked like BNP, UKIP and all that bollocks. Yeah. He liked it because he said, obviously, we can say to each other, you know, this is the way we think of the world. And that's obvious, like that's, that's the logical way. But that's because we are of that area. Whereas he, so he essentially tried liking all the opposing opposing theories, oh, right. pages and trying to gather some sort of thing. Of yeah. Like, is there actually some logic to this? I won't say his conclusion, but, no, but, the, the, but like, yeah, it the, was, it was that kind of thing that the whole thing thing's is, an echo chamber. Isn't yeah. It? Well, exactly. And I, I've wanted to be posting this cause now, you know, we're coming up on a general election and like all of my friends and all the people I follow and all those are all like, obviously, you know, 90% of them are pro labor and then yeah. 10% like pro plied probably. And is like it? the people voting for implied. Yeah. Fuck. Fair play. Um, but that's the thing, like, that's my echo chamber. Yeah. But then I have to remind myself that Labour didn't win last election. They didn't win the election before. So there is obviously a majority more people out there who will vote for the Tories. Mm. It was and, when we went to the Alms the other day and there was people sticking Tory um, flyers together and we were just flabbergasted. But they exist, like, they exist and they like exist. And it's not just that they exist. They're the majority. Mm. And they are the majority. Mm. And that's fucking terrifying for people like us who are left wing or, or liberal or whatever. And we don't want to imagine that scenario. And we put ourselves in these echo chambers. Mm. And you have to be aware that that exists. And the way... I don't know, man. I don't know what the solution is. If there was a solution, you know, 
I think that's the thing. Like, you won't ever catch me really joining in on the Facebook status rant. I hate them. I hate Facebook oh, yeah. status rants. I hate the big paragraph status followed by big car paragraph comments. Because it's just like... What's this ever going to do? What's the point of this? Like, this isn't going to change the world if I... But... And people get so fucking hungry as well. I can't imagine what it's like for your gender. When a guy's a guy, it must be harder for the next one. When the last was not right, I know your emotionally stronger. But that ain't showing in your eyes. podcast i asked two questions i spoke i'm supposed to ask two questions at the start and two questions at the end but i never do i always do like this two questions at the start right like in the middle because we always do this we always like talk for half an hour and then <laughs> and then i go okay i'm supposed to ask you questions okay so the first question i ask is uh do you have or what is your like first memory that's associated with music like what's the first thing what, what does that mean like well, me, me playing music or no, just well, something associated with if music you, could, you have to kind of think back and go what's the time you first remember anything to do with music in your life or it doesn't even have to be the first thing it's like the most kind of prominent thing in your mind that you go this is the earliest time i kind of really connected with music or can remember thinking about music probably um I'm trying to think. Though. It's probably it's probably my dad, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it would be my, my my dad playing playing and singing something with the guitar. To be honest, yeah. What yeah. kind of thing would he play then? Uh, Oasis, uh, like what? Well, <laughs> Oasis is one, but I think it was a lot of Mott the Hoople, a lot of David Bowie, but he mainly he he wrote he wrote his own stuff. All right. Um, and from literally from an unbiased perspective, he was fucking brilliant songwriter, really fucking good songwriter. And um, yeah, he used to just play his own stuff, um, but never it never went out. It never yeah, it was he never something for him. He kind of had the, he never had the kind he he never had the life he wanted. So like he was not really allowed to fully pursue. He he was a, mu- a musician, an artist, and a, a writer. He wrote like three books and he was never allowed to pursue that because it's not a a, um, a viable a, a viable job essentially you know it's not a proper job is it yeah. getting like and so he ended up being um a civil servant and various other things and stuff like that but like so he never kind of had not that he didn't have the drive it was more that he wasn't allowed to if that makes sense because his parents made mm-hmm. him go down this avenue of a proper job you know, but you know, back in the day, whatever. But whatever he still it was still kind of something you did on the side. Kind of yeah, his book got published. As he had a few art exhibitions over the years and that kind of thing, and he was in various bands and stuff. But and yeah, it never kind of went 
further than a kind of um, local or slightly bigger, you know, citywide scale, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'd be my earliest one. It's just I can't remember if that's Spice Girls is the other one, right? <laughs> I went to see Spice Girls from very kind of like somber kind of thinking about your dad to kind of Spice Girls well Spice Girls yeah I got fucking taken to see Spice Girls it was oh, great really? but I can't remember if that was first that's the thing well yeah but like because I was I was really young but that's a very blurry memory I just remember being it was I was small so it's probably bigger you're than young, I remember yeah you're younger than me and like I was young when Spice Girls yeah, so yeah I remember really, really it young. being overwhelmingly huge yeah so it's probably yeah. a stadium or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, probably like, remember. like arenas or something. Yeah. It might just be Motorpoint Arena. I don't know. For like... No, I don't think they ever did anything. Well, they were, they were so big that they wouldn't have done anything like that. In Cardiff. Small. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, apart from they played. Just, yeah, I remember it being overwhelmingly huge. But like, that's the thing. You go, like, I went to the Motorpoint last week and it seemed small to me. Mm. Whereas I remember the first time I went there, it seemed like yeah, cavernous. Yeah, because like, when I saw Slipknot and Slayer, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was fucking huge. And then yeah, I went yeah. back and I was like, oh. This is tiny. Like, yeah. So him kind of playing music and stuff was that kind of, you know, it's it's a, it's a bit of a cliche to say, oh, did that like kind of make you want to make music? Or was it just a kind of coincidence? Uh, it was that, the fact that they, I was going to say made me do piano. They didn't. They <laughs> It wasn't like that. It was... Um, I started piano lessons at six. And also, I think, if I'm honest, I think it was only ever going to be music. I don't think I ever wanted to do anything else, if I'm completely honest. Yeah. In fact, I, I know I didn't. There was, there was never anything else. It was always music. It was like, I, I would write Linkin Park lyrics on a, on a piece of paper and shit. It was, it was only music. It was, there yeah. was never been a point in my life where I've not, when I've wanted to do anything else, ever. So like when, Except for when I watched Californication and wanted to be a writer because I wanted to be Hank Moody. I don't know enough about that show and I thought it was... Mate, it's rough. so good, man. <laughs> it's so good. But I'm still writing that. But yeah, that's another thing. I'm writing a book, but... That's... Everyone's writing a book. Are they? No. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. But it's one of those, like, it's, that, it's like a bit of, It's not... I don't know. I feel harsh to say it's like a cliche. People write books and stuff. Like, Is it? Yeah. What? Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like writing a book when I was a kid, and like you, know, I always go, "Oh, maybe I should go back to that that book that I, I wrote, and or start a new one or something." I'm mm. like, "Yeah, no, what the fuck is that about?" Like, mm. no, it's a book. My friend jokingly said, "Weirdly, I think it was Harvey." All right, when we were in uni, I think he, in an off comment, he jokingly said to me, "Ah, oh, your life could be a movie or a book." Yeah. Um. And so I went, oh, okay. And I started writing it. And I've carried carried it on in Greece, actually, while I was there. Yeah. Like, and, uh, so you're, like, it's autobiographical it's or, like, fictional? But not, it's going to be sort of put forward as a, if I finish it, as a fiction. I don't yeah, want, yeah. I don't want it to be, you know. It's like my one of my favourites is Charles Bukowski. And he, used to, he, he wrote books that were essentially autobiographical, but through um henry chinoski which was the character he made up but it was pretty much him and so in that that kind of way i'd do it anyone doesn't know anything about you Mm. you were born in greece Mm. um how long did you live in greece before you left uh we moved back on and off so i think i moved moved Cardiff full-time when i was three i think but we kept going back and forth quite a lot Uh, sometimes just me and mum sometimes all of us meet me dad and mum 
for a few years and then ended up in Cardiff then. Yeah. Stayed in Cardiff for a while. So why did you go, for, why, what was the, car, why Cardiff? Why, do you know? Oh, well. Because, well, uh, so, <laughs> so my mum's sides from Abercannon, because they all moved over from Greece. So her, her dad moved over from Greece with my great grandmother from the war as a kind of escape. Yeah. And then he met my grandmother and they had my mum, but then they split. We find it kind of all just ended up in various areas of Wales. Um, but my dad was from Luton. He was brought up in Luton. Um, so he's the non-Greek uh, side. Yeah. Just don't know. It's just like we've known each other for quite a while. And I just don't. I just don't know these things. So I, in my in the back of my head, when I meet people, I'm like, maybe I'll do a podcast with them someday. So I won't ask them too much about themselves. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. But no, I've, I, I've, 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 I was. <laughs> I think the reason I keep mentioning the Greek thing is because that's the values I was brought up with. Is, yeah, and it's the culture I connect to most. So like being, I haven't been back to Athens for like six years, and going back a few weeks ago instantly felt comfortable and i've yeah. never felt that in a con- another mean, country yeah it's better than my kind of oh I'm half australian kind of bullshit which is like i've never been to australia and you know being australian as an identity isn't really a thing like, yeah um well i'm technically quarter greek i'm not actually half yeah. greek all right oh, of course but my granddad if anyone's gonna say if i'm allowed to be half greek or not it's my granddad he says i'm full greek but it's more than the bloodline, it's the culture and it's your values, but I think. But is Greek. Yeah. Name. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like... Yeah. yeah. But I would read it, if anyone asked me if I had to decide, it would be Greek because I think I have those values and more. But interestingly, Welsh and Greek traditional values are quite similar. It's kind of respect your mum and don't be a prick and enjoy life. Yeah. And drink a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think that's quite... I think that's the modern... That's just universal at the moment, just, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's fucking... You have to know. Nice one, Boris. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, a really... I, I think I've probably mentioned this on a, uh, on a podcast before, this quote. It's uh, Richard Byrne. It's um, point uh, a Welshman in any direction and he'll always go through the door that marks self-destruction. Ooh. I really like that quote. It's like one of my favourite quotes. It's not like it's funny that that's like that's like one of my favorite quotes and it's really fucking dark. That's <laughs> proper dark, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's you know, you know, point of Greek for a door. You'll always the... go through the door that says Suvlaki. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, fuck Suvlaki, man. <laughs> Anyway, so second question I ask. <laughs> <laughs> we just, just just sidetrack completely into talk about alcohol, which we could probably do for quite a long time. Negronis. Um, what's the what was the first record you kind of chose to have? Because you don't. It's not necessarily the first one that you've had, or the one first one you bought, but the one kind of the first record that you like picked out and went, "I want that." Does that make sense? <laughs> And it's fine because, like, the, yeah, it's often it's, really, um, <laughs> it's often really embarrassing. It's love metal by him. By him? Yeah. That's not embarrassing. No. But that's, when did you get, so how old were you when you got that, do you think? Not that young. I went to HMV yeah. and got it. 
Well, that's because that's the thing. Because it's like to me, that seems like an album you'd get or like a record you get when you're a bit older. Because I was buy, I was like, I wasn't buying. But that that is like the first one I bought or I got for myself. Yeah. You know, the rest of them were just kind of like now. That's what I call music. Oh, I see. Uh, and and literally, my dad's records. I just nick yeah. Nirvana, Guns N' right. Roses all the fucking time, and right. Prodigy. Okay, so yeah, that's interesting. I never really got into him. Just kind of like a bit too. I use this word very loosely, gothy mm. for me. A little bit too gothy for me. Like, like, I respected it more than my comical romance. But at the same time, I was just a bit like... Mm. I didn't really listen to it, to no. be honest, no. You just bought it because it... Why did you buy it? I don't even remember. I think I was. it was another one of those, like, oh, I, this this is what I'm into, I think. Ah, uh, I see. But uh, still to this day, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really listening to yeah, it. Okay. Beyond, like, track four. And it was a sort of like, yeah, cool, get it. Now. Oh, these are the singles. And then it was, it was, it wasn't until I got no, I got Slip. No, I think it might have been Slipknot. It was Slipknot's first album, not right. real first album, but uh, self-titled. Yeah. And it was that, yeah, it was that one. So I didn't buy it, but I got someone to buy it for me. And I would sit in the back of the car wherever we went. I got someone to buy it for you because... Sick. No, but but why didn't you buy it? Oh, because you, you I was too young. Yeah, so because the parents were like... Oh, because you... Not because... Hang on. Did, was it because you didn't have any money or was it because it was parental explicit? For, yeah, explicit. Like, yeah, there's no way Yeah, that's fucking it. hilarious, isn't yeah. it? That, like, people wouldn't sell you a record because it had that sticker on the it. The funny thing was that... So, I think my favourite has got me illegal. that record. No, 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 no. It's no, not no. illegal to sell people... To sell is underage kids. No. It's oh, okay. not. It's not like... Music isn't rated. It's not... What is the parental advisory explicit content... It, that's the it's thing. It's like an advisory sticker rather than advisory it. thing. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with it. So it's not illegal to sell kids that music. It's morally ambigu- ambiguous, hmm. but it's not illegal, which is really like, which is good for me. I feel sort of maybe, hmm. but <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's like not illegal to yeah. It's just not. Whereas like the BBFC and the uh, all that shit. Like it is illegal to sell kids like video games or DVDs under, mm. with the, that, which is kind of a weird thing that it's like it's never affected music. But you'd have to put like age limits on music, which is fucking. Can you imagine that? That's just like, yeah, that'd be weird. But it's yeah. So it's but funny. it's just interesting because I remember my so my parents got me that album. I think yeah. And then years later, when I was listening to Lil Jon Full Blast in my room, they got really fucked off. <laughs> yeah, but context. And I was like, you, it's context. 
because I think Slipknot, the way Slipknot use like yeah, yeah, it's a bit more... is different to the way Lil Jon uses. It was just so. I think my mum just said, "I like emos more than chavs, James." Yeah, and you've become a chav. And that's what she said to me, and I was just like, "It just discriminate, and you don't understand me. You'll never understand, you know, all that." But like, you are that fine balance between emo and chav, aren't you? Yeah, it's not changed. That's that was... <laughs> <laughs> I said. Well, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> I really just said that." That's calm, man. But I don't know. I don't. I've tried not to use Chav now because apparently well, it's cancer it house is, and violence. Yeah, it is, which I didn't know. It is. Well, it's not, but it's it is kind of it's classist. Yeah, it's fucking it's, classist. It's bullshit, yeah, but you know, as teenagers, like you, you don't know what the fuck you're on about half the time. Like you gotta have to forgive that. Like yeah. Well, I was. I I don't know. I think I don't know. I feel like I'm, I have some weird like right to say it because I was called a chav for a long time yeah because I was like, part of that yeah, group in school yeah, like. I was called like a fucking emo kid and shit mm. like that and yeah my school oh, year no, was Mosha. weird though Mosha was yeah Mosha yeah, yeah. My, my school year was weird though because you had those crossovers like there was this dude Gethin who was into I remember we bonded over Slipknot and Ramstein but he was in the popular sporty crowd yeah and so my, I don't know if it was just my year, but it was really, you had these really weird, like, crossover people. Because mm. it's, it's interesting, like, music defined so much yeah. if we were mean, in school. I wonder what, like, high schools would be like now. Because, you know, so many people like... Dead. Everyone's on their fucking phones dead now, I reckon. I reckon it's so boring now, in comparison. But I don't know. Yeah. If anyone's in high school. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's weird, because it's like, you're right, because... I existed on the internet, yeah, pretty much when I was in high school. But it wasn't... You would go home and exist on the internet. Yeah. It was never, it was never in your hand. <clears throat> well, I, I went out a lot and... Yeah. Various drugs. That, yeah, you but you, you were kind of living in a different place to me. And it was like... What are you trying to say? About, I know, I'm just saying... We're like, seeing the valleys, what, mate. What? I know, <laughs> I know nah. yeah, because you were in the valleys. Well, yeah, but still mm. the valleys is different to, you know, living in Cardiff and stuff. It's like... Um, I was just thinking of St. David's I'm like of course you didn't grow up in St. David's no no <laughs> but then St. David's is a much better to no be I, honest, know, I know I was, just thinking I was surprised that like, everyone's like oh it's such a beautiful city everyone's really nice it's like go to the farmers on yeah. a Friday night and you'll fucking yeah, see what St. David's is like <laughs> oh shit yeah <laughs> but you know I think it's really beautiful and I really like it it like, is you know, so like, beautiful yeah. yeah but it's just it's just the same small town yeah you know thing, it's like. the same thing everywhere isn't it it's like you know it's interesting because i remember like being in in spain once and like seeing these teenagers hanging around in this village in spain and going oh fuck that's just like me and my mates back home it's like yeah. no no different just speaking a language and different drinking a different kind of booze <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i think the alcohol culture is very different oh of course i mean it people don't different as much anyway well, nowhere near as much, actually, in Greece, for example, and I assume Spain as well. I don't want to speak on Spain, Italy. I don't know enough about them. But I know for Greece, predominantly, getting fucked up or getting smashed or getting whatever yeah. is not really a thing. No. It is a very... Western. Like, Western. Or British, British. essentially. Well, yeah. no, I mean, Americans do it. Mm. And Australians do it. But, like... <sighs> Binge drinking, I think, was a British thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, because binge drinking is a British thing, because yeah. Americans... Well, no, and it's an Australian thing, but maybe that's just com- coming from... Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not a fucking 
sociology major i didn't know mm. the fuck i'm on about but it's just for my personal experience but um but yeah like you know the the drink you have in in uh in spain is red wine and coke that's what teenagers drink in spain. really yeah that's fucking weird man it's like what does that i can see like? that being nice though yeah but it's like you know i think wine is like easier and cheaper to get in spain than yeah with like you know than, oh, i loved spain man. i just can't wait to go back what was making music in so you grew up in Abercanon mainly no no where did you grow up uh no sorry my mum was from your Abercanon. mum's from Abercanon, but where did you kind of mainly grow up in the valley we went between athens and cardiff and then i was brought up in splot and then moved from there to um Cofili. Yeah. So yeah, Kafili, I guess. But yeah. Rudry and Kafili, it was like a really nice fucking. Oh image, yeah. Yeah. Rudry, yeah. But it was the same sort of thing. You look at Rudry and you think, oh, it's a really quaint like village. Yeah. But the local there served me alcohol when I was like fourteen. Yeah, but then Do you know those I mean? like, kinds of places would. Whereas mm. like the really rough places, like well, I don't know, like Cardiff, it was so hard to get served anywhere. Mm. So it's like, I don't know, I think it's kind of a, it's a based on trust thing. It's like that fucking, those scenes in Hot Fuzz, what it's mm. like. I don't know, the <laughs> thing with the valleys, the thing is, like, anyone I've spoken to from, who's from there, we can say to someone who's, and we learned this a lot in uni, so like when, when you meet someone who's from like a, a big city or something like that, or England, um, <laughs> someone, if you if you tell someone, for example, I did, I think it was like 15 when I did cocaine, and you only learn when you start speaking to people who are not from that area that that's quite a mad thing. Yeah. Um, but to us, it's just like, well, it just There's happens. nothing else to do. And it's not the same for anyone. And it's not even for everyone. There's nothing else to do. But for a, specifically the lads I knew and like the people I hang out with, it's just what happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I wasn't even at a, I don't think even at that time I wasn't even like, oh my god, I'm doing fucking cocaine yeah. and I'm 15. Like it, you just, it was just like someone handed it in the back of this yeah. gold saxo that we were driving around in, and it's just what happens. And it's yeah. like not something I condone at all. I don't think anyone should be doing drugs when their brain's still developing mm-hmm. because it halts and it has halt, it halted my development quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but it is that thing of like you're kind of brought up in this weird bubble, and you. It was just a very weird way to be brought up, and especially moving from Cardiff and my family being so different. Like, they moved to Redry because it was a nice... That's why Mm. they moved there. They moved there because it was a nice village. But then I discovered all the other sides of these places and started hanging out in Cofili and then going up to Bargo site and all that and doing all these crazy shit. And so it was was a weird upbringing, to be honest, because I felt very alienated Mm -hmm. at the time. But you do as a teenager... It's so but, normal, yeah. You know, it's enhanced yeah. by... Any, oh, yeah, no, any, like, I'm Any not... little thing that makes you different is enhanced when you're a teenager. Yeah. And yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose that's... But then how did music factor into that, or did it... Were you kind of ignoring music at that time? Because um, you went from there to going to Guildford to do music. Yeah, so I was always doing a music, and it was whether it was privately or, or not... Um, because whilst doing all the, you know, shenanigans or whatever with, with with my mates at the time, it always felt temporary, if you know what I mean. Like, I always knew that I'm not going to be doing this forever. This is just for now. It always, not, not consciously, it was always in the back of my mind. It was not something I really thought about, but it was definitely there. Um, so I was always doing music in the meantime because I always knew that that's what I'd end up doing. But it translated into 
the situations I was in. So I was making hard style at one point because that's what we were listening to. Yeah. And so I put it on my mate's car and we'd go meet up after school, go smoke weed in his car. But I'd play them my new song. And that's when it started, I think, was playing something I created and getting a really good reaction. And then I got known in my friend group for that. Who was like, oh, it's Jimmy, he makes the music, you should see this new, you know, and that's that's just what I got known yeah. for. And then when we went to see ACM in sixth form on like a day trip to Guildford to see this uni, I was like, holy fucking shit, like, I'm, I'm going here, like, no matter what. I didn't actually apply for any of the uni because I was going to oh, ACM. Right. And that's when it all changed. It was when I, yeah, I moved there and still had that kind of attitude of, of being a knob, um, which I developed for some reason. But it very quickly didn't fly. Yeah, I mean, when you're a teenager, like 99% of teenagers are knobs. Mm. So you can't really hold yourself. But it was just so quick. I remember, I think we went on one night out and I, I think I, pushed over someone's front garden wall or something it was something really daft and how I, the reaction i got from those people yeah um and the people i was around there they were just like that's not cool man and i was like fuck it's not cool is it i i'm that is really not cool and it was like the biggest like sort of fastest sort of mm. growing up point that I'd, i was like yeah i've left now and it was that kind of feeling like oh, you have left i've mm. left the valleys it was kind of weird and a few of my mates who lived in the valleys who have left feel the same way. You do feel like you, you've got out in a way. Yeah. It's really weird. But it's never like when you're there, you're never like, I want to get out. It's... Mm, not yeah. really. Yeah. It's just what you know, isn't it? It's, I think it's a, quite a human thing. It's just what you know. Yeah. But I haven't really been back to the valley since. And you do get this weird thought of like, oh, I left behind my mates and... <laughs> you didn't you just carried on with your life yeah into i mean a different area like yeah i can kind of sort of relate to that but you know i've always lived in cardiff so it's kind of very mm. it's not about location it's about state of mind so i don't think it you know yeah i think the only reason i fascinate on location so much is because i've moved around my whole life yeah because before cardiff it, well it was greece cardiff and then cardiff and then the, then the, the circus and so we then went oh, yeah on tour with the circus all the fucking time was that bef- was that after uni was before that uni? was before i moved to the valleys that was while i was studying oh, okay yeah all right so when you were a kid mm. oh. oh my god i feel like i've missed out an entire chunk here fuck so so yeah you were on tour with the cir- yeah of course because you fucking you've mentioned this before that so that kind of constant moving about thing must be yeah obviously kind of has an impact but mm. so like how does that even work? What? What? I, I don't know. Like you, uh, my, that... my parents worked for Norfolk State. Basically. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so, so like, how, how, was, how did you get educated? And like... I uh, didn't. <laughs> I kind of just... I think a lot of it was in the school holidays, actually. Yeah. All oh, right. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't know. It's, that's the question of how much does school educate you isn't it really yeah it's so. <laughs> all of the yeah, fucking conversation fine. like <laughs> just like just rolled my eyes was like going fuck of course yeah but I don't know how many kids like oh yeah school is like this priority you have to have like you know if you didn't go to school you'd be fucked like so but at the same time like school didn't teach me how to be a human 
it just taught me things. Life experience taught me to teach you how to be human. And it's like the less you kind of learn how to be a human in a, in a, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a very deep conversation to have. Mm. Fuck. But yeah. No, I was I was always the uh, kids who would um I remember I had a massive argument with my maths teacher over Pythagoras because I literally went, when am I going to use this? Yeah. He was like, yeah, you never yeah. know. And I was like, I do. Yeah. I am never going to use it. And he was like, well, you never, you can't be sure. And I was like, I'm sure. It's like that. That's the <laughs> whole thing about, use it, mate. about, um, but I might still yeah, might one still, day, still. like, you never know. Like got to measure this shelf. Fuck Pythagoras. This um, <laughs> doesn't happen. I don't know. No, it's, it's, does it? Yeah. Shit, shows how much I know. I should have paid attention in math. I'm not, no, I'm not necessarily going to mean it. I'm not going to say it's to do with shelves. I'm just saying, you know, there's a there's a reason why it exists. Hmm. So, yeah, going from the valleys to like, where, where is Guildford? Excuse my ignorance. Sorry. Sorry. So yeah. well, you weren't in London. No. You were kind of like on a campus thing. Mm-hmm. So did that? Not a campus. They didn't have halls. So we went straight into a house. Okay. But it wasn't like, there wasn't any distraction from your uni work, was there? What do you mean? Well, because when I think of people who go to uni, if people go to uni, they either go to uni for the uni and, like, the campus and, like, the course and stuff, or they go to uni and it's, like, in a place. It's, like, in Manchester or in London or in Bristol or in Cardiff or whatever. And mm-hmm. to me, like, Guildford, going to uni in Guildford, you would concentrate. It would be like, oh, this... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, no. I went, yeah, just for the course and yeah. for the... For the it was like a, it was a flashy uni and it probably still is, I don't know, but mm. it was very like dazzling. But no, we, we found our own distraction. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> like, okay. But um, yeah, it's, it wasn't like, it, yeah, it wasn't like um, going to London or something. Yeah, yeah. And there's is something I kind of ponder over sometimes, like whether I should have thought about it more. But at that time, we didn't really know anything about kind of anything really. Like, I didn't, yeah. didn't know about the London scene. I didn't know, I know about it's, scenes it's... or anything like that. All I knew was, I don't know. Like, man, I went out in the the rugby club and stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah, so right. you don't know about this stuff, really. It just seems very, like, if I'm honest, it was kind of like, to me, it was like, oh, that's the stuff I'll get to when I've done music and I'm well-known. Yeah, it's yeah. never, I never thought about... Trying to understand it from... Yeah, I just never... Yeah. Like, now, obviously, I know. Like, you, you move to a city where there's a scene and you meet people and it goes from there. And, yeah. But that's something I never had any idea of it's often a stumbling block for a lot of artists where they go how do i make it big how do i get playing uh, get to the stage yeah it's always who you know as well you go to you work hard you go to shows you don't do anything that's going to represent you until you know someone wants to put you there Mm. like people go why can't i get a show in this place it's like because they don't know who the fuck you are Mm. and like it's a hard truth to accept, but that's just that's just the way it is. And until you kind of get your break, and until you kind of, because I was like, I know, and I was in a band. I was like, why the fuck is no one booking us except for these like one group of people? Like, I don't. We're really good. Hmm. And you know, I I listened back to that band and I go, it was all right. Like it could have been better. Hmm. I don't know how I'd feel about that kind of band now, hmm. but there is a reason why you know you don't end up on you know it's a fluke of nature sometimes or it's a kind of like it's just yeah or it's hard work and it's like making those connections but if we need if there was an answer we wouldn't we'd be that's what connie said in there in barcelona she was like if there was a fucking answer we'd all be rich but there isn't it's says the girl 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm watching. <laughs> I think there's a lot of chance, isn't there, involved? But um, I don't know. I'm a kind of maybe I'm too optimistic, but I feel like if you push at something consistent, consistently, you, you will be fine. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. I'm not going to shatter your optimism. So not all the time, maybe not not for. But I just I don't know. I just feel like. It depends what your goal is. If your goal is to sell out huge stadiums of thousands of people, maybe, I don't know, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's like, some people will achieve that. Yeah. That'll be their dream and they'll go and they'll achieve that. But I don't know. It's really hard. For me, like, I, that was, that's that's been my goal in the past. But now I just want to just fucking be happy to be honest like but it's like that it's not, it's not, it's not, <laughs> oh god it's so lame yeah no it's not lame it is lame it's not lame because it's it's certain, fucking lame mate it's not it's, it is it's, but so many people i know are like i like that now where it's like no i just I just want to be happy it's not Can't, it, like, just i just want to make music and make earn i just want to be able to sustain my life yeah. through music yeah. which is the thing i love and by sustain my life, I I just mean my life. Like yeah. as it is, I'm not materialistic. I don't want a big house. I don't I know. know what the you fuck to do with it. Yeah, when you, I still don't have a car. That's fine. Yeah, just when get a you, train. When you work in music and you kind of, when you make a sacrifice to do what you want to do, then you have to go right. I don't. There's no room to be materialistic. Mm. Like I haven't bought new clothes myself in probably like six months. My mum found this jumper, so yeah. I got I technically got new clothes recently. Yeah, but it's like nice. yeah, and it's it's why I've been wearing it every <laughs> single time you see me. But it's the Adidas jumper. Yeah, I mean it's a look in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know you you turn around and you go right yeah I'll sustain myself because this is what I want to do and you know I'm not gonna be making millions. I'm not gonna I don't know. It's kind of mm. you have to kind of just face the fact. Some people don't do that though and some people go I want to you know earn mega bucks and then they'll but you know people who are passionate about it well no you know people who are passionate about it can earn mega bucks but it's like I don't know it's it's that mentality I'm finding myself in now especially like knowing people who are making strides in music and kind of to me not like abandoning their principles but like like turning turning a blind eye to stuff that may not like be what I think is right Mm. so it's it's whether you can do that morally and be a right with that or not and it's it's kind of like a balance isn't it um i don't know i don't want to get into that because it's fucking depressing man mm. i don't get me like i can say to you now that i just want to sustain my living like i just did yeah but if something came along i think that dream will never go away and when i do perform now and I'm fucking screaming and in people's faces and stuff and people react to the way they do. Yeah. Like I've the last few gigs since being the way I am now on stage, there's not been one gig where I haven't had at least seven people, at least seven people individually come up and be like, dude, those fucking nuts. Like not seen like anything like that. And those kinds of comments you get. And it does make me go, right, fuck it. then, let's go for it. Yeah. And, and we are going to go for it, but I'm not going to, decide that my life's a failure if I don't achieve that I think that's what I'm trying to say is yeah. that you can't do that to yourself so if I don't sell out the O2 arena <laughs> fine I still you know I've still done what I've done so far and I think that's that's the kind of mindset I'm in like I do 
fundamentally, if I can sustain my life, I am happy with that. But I'll still fucking try and do more. But I'm, mm. you just can't be so defeated by it. Because otherwise, life will pass you by while you're making grand plans for it. And you'll always look back and go, maybe I should try. Maybe mm. I should have done that. Because mm. there were so many bands that I loved that never ended at all acts that I loved that just like went, had that mindset of like, this isn't working, let's just stop. Mm. And you are... It's that, yeah, it's like balancing forward thinking with present present happiness, isn't yeah. it? Like you can think forward to a point, but you also do need to live in the moment at the same time. It's, life's really fucking hard, yeah, right? And it doesn't make any fucking sense. We're all fucked, mate. <laughs> and it's all going to overheat anyway. So what's the point? Sorry, guys. I don't mean that. <laughs> so jumping back, so you did three years in uni mm. and came back to Cardiff. And then what then was your plan musically? To meet a grieving. Hmm? To meet a grieving, which was me and Lloyd before that method. Oh, right, yeah. Um, I think my mum had moved to Machen then. Yeah. Uh, so moved there for a bit. I met my ex at the time. And then got a place in Cardiff then with my mate from uni who was a drummer to do Dead Method, um, which was to meet a grieving at the time. And then basically I was in a relationship yeah. and music wasn't the biggest priority yeah. at that point in my life. So it's that I think that's why it's quite hard to remember it because it was quite a quite a mad relationship. <laughs> Fucking horrible. So um, essentially I ended up moving back and then moved to West Wales for a five months lived in a caravan with my girlfriend at the time off grid and then moved back to Machen where I eventually set up a studio in the garage out the back we converted it into a studio and then so it was initially for rehearsing and recording Dead Method you know solely focused on that mm-hmm. and then I met uh Pip Razkid and that's actually where it all changed so I, I kind of owe him a lot more than he realises for this. Stressful, you're asleep. Where do you think that gets you? Scumbag, scumbag, scumbag. Scumbag, scumbag, scumbag. Need the lighter, don't lie down when I overdose. I need a lighter. Scumbag, scumbag, scumbag. Scumbag, scumbag, scum. Need the lighter, don't lie down when I overdose. was the after so I produced a, a, a duo called Oxbow Lake and that was great and it was like a folk duo but Pip was the first person I'd I felt like oh I'm producing for this person like I'm actually really pushing their yeah. career and it kind of opened my eyes to everything then to like seeing production as a proper career possibility which it wasn't really before it was always going to be the band I'm in or the artist I am it was the only way whereas he was the first time I realised that shit I can produce like because I'd been doing house and I'd done bits of hip-hop and I but all for me and all for Lloyd and our project what I hadn't realized is that all the stuff I'd done was like a portfolio essentially so it meant I could do anything and so yeah it was it just kind of went from there then Uh, we had then moved to Cardiff after that I think like building those skills is kind of something you do yourself is really important when you can and like having the time and the energy to like do that and make mistakes Mm. And kind of find what you're good at and what your niche is. And then so when you get to a point where you go, shit, I can do this for a living. Mm. Because the way I used to work was like with bands completely like, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, the first thing I have, you know, I tell people, well, no, it's true that I started 
working in music industry when I was 14. Because mm. I started managing a band when I was 14. You know, managing a band when you're 14 means fuck all. Mm. Like, you're answering emails, or you're editing their MySpace page. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's fuck all. But if you start at that point and you're doing it, the earlier you start and the kind of, the more you build up that stuff, when you get to a certain point, you can go, right, this is, you know, you can recognise when you're going to get fucked over and when you're, someone's legit and things like that. Yeah. And like, it, it must be the same for like producing because you're, work, you're experimenting and you're working so hard. So when you go into a, you know, when you go into the studio with another artist, you've already been through all the shit bits. So you can, you know, refine that down until, to what you, you're good at. Hmm. So I think, that, yeah, it's kind of, it's a good lesson in hmm. working on that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think, it was good because probably most producers, you start off working with your mates, uh, but then something will happen along the way that makes you realise, holy shit, I need to be pro- very professional about yeah. this, actually. Um, and that can come in the form of, in my case, someone releasing a track and claiming it was self-produced. Are we legally about to, allowed to talk about this yet? We'll just leave it there. <laughs> um, and it, but it does, it makes you realise, oh, fuck, okay, like, mm-hmm. it's weird, it's a weird... Maybe it's a life lesson that people learn in, in other ways in their own fields, but like that moment where you're kind of like, I thought we were mates. Yeah. And then you realise, fuck, hang on, friend, friendship doesn't bleed over into an ambition that's been personally yeah, yeah. yours for ages and some people will step on anyone they can to get there. I like to think I'm not like that. I've never really done that in music. I've never really stepped on anyone to kind of do anything. But where, if like a situation like that came up, then it's kind of, you got to go fuck what do i do in this situation like you know what i'd like to to be honest i'd like to think that if i was ever i, I would just never do that i'm a big person for when credit's due i give credit mm-hmm. i can't i don't know i think the reason it shocked me so much is because i could never you empathize on you with any any situation and i was like i'd never fucking do that i would just never do that i would never work with someone intensely for a long time and completely disregard it and throw it away and act like it never happened and take that thing. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't do that. Yeah. And I'd like to think that people who are my close friends wouldn't do that. But then you, if you think about, like, if you've ever, like, been in a friendship or been in a relationship and then, you know, shared special moments or, like, things like that, and then that friendship ends, mm. or that relationship ends, sort mm. of some of the thing. But then you don't always fuck over the person in the process. Not always. But again, I would like to think I don't do that. But anyway, like, it was a quite a big lesson. And so the, the, the language of contracts and the language of signing things and organising things before and talking about the finances before, that became a language I started using, which yeah. I never thought I would because I'd never experienced the other side of it. Because it was always that, like, ah, I'm not working with anyone, like, you know, that you know, no, 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 yeah. would, would do it, that. But when it comes down to your profession, it's like, oh shit, I actually need to cover my back on this mm. because otherwise I can get fucked over. And it's, it's you know, you don't ever want to be in a situation where you start off a conversation with how much am I getting paid? Mm. What are my rights? And I still, I still struggle with that. Yeah. But this pretty much what I do full time now is producing. And you do work with people who you were friends with. And those weird conversations do arise of like, charging your friends you, you've essentially charging your friends mm-hmm. but on the flip side of that if i was a friend to someone and like i've done it now with with a friend of mine who 
he he does wood carvings and he's fucking brilliant at it and we were just like toying with the idea of of him doing a wood carving for my my stage performance like and yeah. just having that and he was like yeah i'll do it obviously for free for you and i yeah, said like, no yeah. not a fucking chance and so in an ideal world everyone would have that attitude but they don't because um, you know i want to fall over backwards and, and work with my mates and like you know make things for free for people but i just can't mm. i like physically can't do that anymore and i you know when you're looking at your bank balance and going why the fuck haven't i got any money and you look back at your calendar and go well i did that for free and i did that for free and that. yeah oh oh okay that makes sense mm. like you can like uh, having being skint and being poor it can change you quite yeah. a lot you get desperate like I've been at positions where I'm scraping my rent and I've got a fiver left yeah. for the month and you, it changes things, you know, but I don't know, you, if you need help off someone or if you need them to assist you with achieving something, you should always make sure that you recognise what they're doing at least. Yeah. So that going back to what happened with me when that artist did release that thing and said it was self-produced, it was a real... I found no logical and reasonable way for that to happen. And I felt I couldn't kind of, I couldn't really like the person didn't gain anything from it. They wouldn't have lost anything by giving credit to me. And that's where it hurt. Cause I didn't actually get paid for that. I did that for free. The least I asked for was credit yeah. and I didn't get it. And so that was like, fuck. And we'd become very friendly. Mm-hmm. And it was just very weird. Yeah, it's, not, it's still something I really like. What the fuck? Like, because it came so out of nowhere. And you, you kind of get into this prof- into situations where, yeah, you cross that line between friendship and professionalism, and mm. it's very tough to kind of go, "Oh shit, you're my friend," but at the same time, you have to sort this out. And mm. like, I but it is that thing of if they're a good you, friend, yeah, they'll yeah. be cool with it. Because yeah, but then if vice versa would be the same, essentially. Yeah, and I've been in situations where we got to kind of try and work things out with friends and you've got to kind of come to a compromise because otherwise you just lose your friendship over mm. it and that's, that sucks. And then, you know, it's not it's not the greatest idea to work with your friends, but when it works well, it works amazingly. Talking of working with your friends. <laughs> You're not in Dead Method anymore. Mm, mm, what? Depends what you mean. Well, Dead Method, you wouldn't say you are... A band member? Yeah, whereas before you were. Yeah. But it's been interesting to see what's happened since. And I think it was the right decision because yeah. I feel like Lloyd is, is just killing it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't it. think it would have it would have ever ended up that way because I think there was... You we know, there we was... both wanted to talk about completely different things. We've both had the kind of life where you've got a lot to talk about and we were... Once I'd started singing and using my lyrics a bit more, we I think we started butting heads a little bit. And we just kind of found that it would be more viable to go our separate ways. The issue lying in the fact that we started it together and we kind of built this sound from nothing. So I said to him, I'll just produce from now yeah. on. And then we just, yeah, we just kind of go 50-50 from there. Yeah. I'm glad it worked out in that way because yeah. no, it was it'd been we so we were on the verge of breaking up before we got on forty. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. Um, but or wasn't that more to do with the fact that you weren't seeing any progress, or was it? Yeah, kind of in a way. I think it was actually. We'd had a lot of setbacks. Yeah, 
we'd applied for various things and not get anywhere and we felt quite alone but then i didn't live in cardiff yeah so we were trying to be part of a scene that like lloyd lived in cardiff i lived in machen and it was just not a realistic like you know we were both skin and it just wasn't a realistic way to run the project and so once we got into 14 it all sort of clicked initially we were like holy shit this is gonna work we're gonna go Mm -hmm. really far with this but then a couple more setbacks and various things happened and we kind of went maybe the problems are the fact that we don't work in a band together yeah and but you can see since I've left and become just producer and let him yeah. take control of the vision and where the songs go, he's completely yeah. thriving and it's just awesome to see. Like that, like d- d- you've seen the video, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like that would have never happened with me in the band. <laughs> this bitch is blind. We have more fun, or so they say. I haven't had much fun since two thousand and one. Oh my god, kissed by the sun. But at the same time, the songs wouldn't have been like that without me in the band. So it's just a win-win, really. And it means that I can fully focus the other side of my creativity for me into meanness. Yeah. But then that dark electronic heavy side that I'll never be able to do in meanness really is I can do it in the method yeah. like pop dark electronica stuff like we've just started another song and it, it's happened so quick because we've what we didn't want to let go of was the fact that we've worked together for years yeah and it works really that's well that's what I was worried about because yeah. I saw that kind of you know you, you when you are like analysing these things and you're like completely like oh shit what the fuck is this this is great and it that kind of connection and that kind of sound, like it was, you know, it was something different. And it was, it's, it's easy to kind of make comparisons, but like it was, it wasn't like that. And it was, it was something different. And the fact that you can split off and do two two separate things that kind of, you know, it's really, it's been really interesting to watch it. And I'm really excited to see what happens next. But the fact that you can still kind of collaborate and, and be on the same page is really fucking cool mm. so like when you work with other artists for example you're not it's not the same thing as doing dead method no no your production work in the last well from your production work from working with pip from working with Raz kid you started then working with more rappers more mcs yeah when was the point you started working with other people as well uh when i moved to cardiff yeah so yeah i was just working with pip Actually, no, it was Noah first as well. So it was that gig I did in Hub. Noah and Dan Mac, I met. Uh, and I ended up getting, actually, Noah actually came up to Machen for a session. So Noah was the second person I'd worked with. And then once I moved to Cardiff, it kind of expanded from there because peop- some people had heard what I'd done with Noah. Some people had heard what I'd done with Pip. And Pip at the time was in a collective called Wonky Tree, which was like with him, Theo, who works in 10 feet tall now and does like the events and stuff. And then there was Ezra, you know, Jackson, Rob, and a couple other lads. And I basically just started producing for all of them. And it was kind of like this collective with me as the producer. And yeah, it kind of went from there. So I was doing Dead Method and that simultaneously, which are both very different musics to each other. But 
that's kind of how it built so like from doing more productions yeah. of them I started I mean, word of mouth and all it's that. interesting because when I do shows like that and he's, they, they come up and they do tracks and they go that's a James production before they even say anything I'm like I can tell you've kind of got like a sonic fingerprint and mm. it's like I can tell you've made that maybe not all of them but like there's certain definitely like certain elements that you know that come in your music that you go oh shit like I know that you made that mm. but like from from rappers then you, you've also kind of worked with you know other types of artists and you kind of work with Dan Betridge mm. and was that like your first kind of step outside of apart from you know you mentioned that folk duo well I did um, Mudlark as well who were a metal band oh right <laughs> really good metal band yeah but the bassist moved to Hong Kong so and they dispersed but that's they, you know I'm gutted that it's still that is kind of like fuck that's a quite big step away from you know stuff that you're you're known for or that you think yeah. so that's kind of that's interesting I'm hoping that at some point people start realising that I, I can produce a lot of stuff yeah. but because that's but not I'm not saying that in a sort of big headed way like I can produce whatever yeah. it's more that that's what I've worked but at being able to do there's a of you being like a quote unquote bedroom producer where you're is a, it well no 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 but but you like you work in like your living room and like you don't you know don't work I'm not working in my studio Ed yeah but it's not like, it's not like <laughs> a recording studio with like a record like you know with drums and like shit yeah, like it's, that. And it's like yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A different thing to to kind of it is a home yeah, studio yeah, still yeah. that's interesting so but you work down Battridge and then you well I'm still working with them on yeah, yeah yeah and then what other stuff have you been doing well there was so I did composing work. I've done composing work. I'm doing bits. So that was like on with circus and theatre companies yeah. and stuff. Um, done a song with Hannah 2K. And then you worked with Nasty Painter. Yeah. Tell him where he's going. Will he ever be something? Or is this all a waste of time tonight? Tell him where he's going. something else coming out with uh foxglove soon yeah this the c the c yeah i don't know if i'm allowed i don't know how yeah, much that's she's fine that's coming okay. but it's like you know it's we're working on and yeah we're working on her next song high on hope fion is ace to work with as you probably know yeah. and it is challenging like it's quite interesting because i was quite kind of like our oh, pop music yeah whatever it'll be easy <laughs> but it's not it's you're still working with an artist vision and you have to meet that um whilst at the same time trying to plead your own creative needs mm-hmm. as a producer. So, yeah, I think, you know, you, you get two touch producers, don't you? You get a producer that's literally just recording and putting their own spin on how you will mix something. And then you get producers that involve themselves creatively. I think it's really interesting to know which one you need at a certain point. What's next? What are you going to do next? Production wise. It's general. In general. Album. Yeah. Yeah, so I've done a lot of work on other people's stuff and producing and sort of still trying to create a living from from that, but need to get this album done. And like next year, my plan is to go full force on that and see how far I can take it because I want to make an important album. 
that's my big ambition. And I think it's try not to sound big headed, but I think the songs I've started putting together are really fucking strong. Um, and the live show, as you've seen, is powerful now. So I think essentially if everything's there, ready to go, <clears throat> I just want to get it all together. So I'm not like releasing a single with the rest to finish, if that makes sense. I want to have the album finished, music videos done, pictures done, yeah. everything done, so that it's just a case of just yeah. uploading them as, as the year goes on yeah. sort of thing. That's my aim. Cool. Because I kind of want to do it that way, like, like get everything done first before. Yeah. And then kind of rounding stuff up what's something you've been listening to recently that's kind of like made a really big impression on you or it's kind of like something you've been proto matter yeah oh yeah of course you mentioned that to me the other day yeah. that's how bomb I in this age of blasting trumpets paradise for fools infinite wrath in the lowest deep below a depth so good like they're yeah. such a good band it's um joe casey's the the front man and he joined so they're from detroit and they emerged from the detroit sort of scene um and he joined at, i think it was 37 he joined this band and he used to work as a doorman the lyrics so you said about my lyrics being quite uh blunt i guess in a way well yeah just like without there no it's no like metaphor, poeticism yeah. and that sort of thing yeah. but it's it's my lyrics do not have poeticism uh, per se the definition of poeticism is a poetic style or character okay so yeah okay fair. So, but regardless what, what like mean, his... what you mean is like you think of poetry as a certain type of thing but poetry can actually mean anything because poetry doesn't have limits or yeah rules. yeah fuck pro yeah and he... they came on while I was in work in the summer. And um, I've been listening to quite a bit of idols and stuff like that. And it's that kind of like on the nose. Uh, this yeah, is a situation yeah. that's happening. The first thing I, time I encountered it properly was Sun Kill Moon. Do you know him? You do? Yes. So, yeah. So, Mark Kozlek, he writes literally the most... It's like the lyric could be... Um, Oh, so I was on a plane and then we went to the gig and uh, saw my friend play and he played a song that was one of my old band song and it made me, you know, I felt really quite quite humble about it. It was really nice. And it, that's literally yeah, his yeah. lyrics and he'll sing those lyrics and it's just like the most, like, blunt stuff. And so I really got inspired by that and so then listening to Idols and it's really political, really powerful, but still just like... Very blunt. Yeah, like whatever. Yeah. And so when I heard Proto Martyr, they do that but in a poetic way. Yeah. 
and it almost sounds like a poem, but it's just so. It's funny because, like, when you mention like idols and stuff, I, you know, for me, idols are kind of wrapped up in slow tie as well, and I feel like slow tie is kind of. Well, you know, they, you know, they both got nominated for Mercury same year, and like they're, they're quite. It's, fair, it's yeah, it's British, isn't it? It's, it's British, and like yeah, but slow tie is kind of it's quite blunt but at the same time quite poetic so that's mm. kind of what i think of when i think of that, that both but for me like the that like bluntness is um you hear it once and you get it mm. and then you, when you hear it the second time it's like yeah i've already heard that but mm. when you come when it comes to metaphor you can just it skips past you maybe the first time or second time or maybe it takes like the 12th time you hear that song go oh fuck mm. that's what that means so there is kind of value in both, I feel like. Well, that and yeah, and I'm again trying to get the balance of the both. Yeah. So I said, <clears throat> I tested out on Pip the other day. I, I said the hook to him to one of the songs. Yeah. And saw, and I said, what, what do you think that means? And what he interpreted was one interpretation of what it means. Yeah. There's actually a few. Yeah. But revolving around the same subject. Do you want to give that hook to me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested. You don't have to keep it in the podcast, but I'm interested. Okay, so they're selling us dreams we've never dreamed of. I can't even breathe these days. Acting like sex pest pictures don't tell a real story these days. Came in a foreigner, still have doubts that I fit these ways. Oh, this is foreign. Foreign, yeah. Yeah, I can't even breathe these days. What was the, it, was, it wasn't a hook, it was a line. Um, oh, yeah, acting like sex pests, pictures don't tell the real story these days. With the lyric. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's the third line is what catches me because the first, second, and fourth lines are like I get, I get, I get what they mean, but there's the that sex pest. Oh, came in a foreigner, still have doubt that I fit these ways. Or yeah, no, that makes sense, especially in the context of what we just talked about. Mm. It makes sense, but it the third line being just kind of like throws you through loops. Like, what does that mean? Because it's like sex pest is kind of like so. That's kind of that phrase is very in your face and kind mm. of like making you go, oh, that's kind of mm. like a bit, you know, shocking. And like, mm. it makes you like, not, not like re- repulsive, but like kind of it's reactionary. Mm. And that's the only part of that kind of stanza that I don't get. And I don't, you don't have to explain it to me. Maybe the sex pass bit. Yeah. Well, it, <clears throat> it ties in with the pictures don't tell the real story these days. It was, it was just an observation I made. Um, a while ago and but basically like you know how in history lessons in school they'll show you a picture and be like this is this is what the time looked like and this is what's going on here and and they'd show you these pictures they would be what was going on um whereas nowadays you're faced with the kind of altered reality of even as simple as selfies or catfishing down to like certain angles someone takes a photo can change how they look Mm -hmm. um so it's just my observation on how that's changed in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas pictures used to be to capture a memory yeah. and now pictures are used to Subvert. to lie yeah, in yeah. a way. Um, and the acting like sex pest pictures is literally just my slight loathing of selfies. Yeah, I just don't really like them. And I don't really like... Um, I don't like the people who post three selfies in different angles I, I just don't like it i don't i don't like it i don't know if i ever will but i don't fucking like it i don't like yeah. that that's what we are now i don't it, well, it really bothers what, me it's not what we are it's just an evolution of yeah the fact that everyone's got a camera in their hands and that's what society can it's 
becoming a sense of... And it's that weird narcissism mixed with... It's like, you should love yourself, but, like, I feel like sit in there for up to an hour, taking... Yeah. I just think there's a better way to be. But, you know, you were a little bit younger than me, but you weren't one of those people doing MySpace selfies. Well, it wasn't... They weren't even called selfies. No, I I did selfies when I was younger, but it was looking back, I was like, why? I just don't think it's a... I don't think it's a good thing in the world, personally. I just don't. I don't think it serves good, personally. But it's this form of self-expression for some people. I'm just... I'm just To arguing, a point. I'm just arguing the, the opposite case. No, no, that's fair. Yeah. But I think it is to a point. I mean, you're right, because I will... But I've I seen will, a lot of... You know what pisses just, me off so much is people doing that gigs. What, like... It's in the crowd. Yeah. They'll turn around and do that. And, like, and but, my... The, the, but, yeah, but that word acting like sex pests is is really fucking yeah like I'm, I'm really getting brutal there. yeah and it's basically saying that you're acting fucking desperate it's like you're desperate for attention and it's oh, a lot of the music on this album is me written for is written from the point of view of when i'm really fucking but yeah it's kind of you're saying things that i wouldn't want to say in in reality. normal discussion but it's, you know it's it's a real kind of you're not really comparing to sex pests because you know one's worse than the other <clears> but yeah it's kind of pushing the boundaries on what mm. you can... It's interesting. Now I know what that means. I guess. Yeah. This is a second meaning. When you break down lyrics like that, it's kind of... Maybe you do lose some of the, like, mystery behind it. But, like, you know, like you said, like, bluntness can be just as effective as metaphor sometimes. Final question. Is there a record that you think is like your favourite record or one that's had like the most impact? And true by burial. Fine. No, no, I mean, I'm not. I'm not doing a face because of that. Because sometimes it takes a long time for some people to. Sometimes no, and, and true by burial. Every every like yeah, just that's the most thing. The thing I'm most sure of in my life ever is that album is the best yeah. album in the world for me. Yeah, yeah. Because it's quite sad to say, but it was like the first moment in my life where I felt all right being alone. If that makes sense. Yeah. God, that makes so much sense to me at the moment. Okay, because, like, I always battled so much to fit in and I always felt odd and the odd one out and it was always horrible and, and really lonely feeling. But listening to that album in headphones was the first time I kind of was okay with it. And it's the only album that's ever made me feel like that. Ever. It's the only 
thing ever. This made me feel like that. It's always been a battle in my life. To, to, to I, I always felt different, and people like love being different and unique nowadays, and that's what people strive for. But it was like feeling genuinely different, and like oh, I'm a weirdo. It was that side of it growing up and it sucked and so like burial when i listened to that it was like shit like i'm just mm-hmm. i don't know it was it's hard to explain it's just nothing no nothing's ever made me feel that he- strongly really as in in music like it's interesting because yeah the way an album or, or you know a piece of music can make someone feel and they kind of like it pushes you emotionally to a place you haven't been before mm. it's with certain albums that I've kind of heard recently, it's 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 made me go, have I felt this way about a record before? Or is there something different about my emotional development that's kind of made me feel a different way about this record? Because, yeah, like you saying that, like, it's okay to be alone. That didn't come to me through a record. That came to me in a different way. Mm. But certain records have made me go, oh, okay. And that's unlocked something in in me or it's kind of unlocked like very deep emotions. And it's, you know, it's rough, but at the same time, it makes you go, oh, fuck, there's like art out there that like can really, really do something. Mm. And it's important to continue the things I do to make people aware of this art. Mm. And I think then maybe that can be kind of something an artist can do and go maybe some someday I can make something that can make someone feel this way mm. and that's been the, my pinnacle is creating something that can give someone the feeling that Burial gave me essentially yeah because he's a wizard <laughs> he's a fucking wizard mate cool I think that's a good place to end it thanks gonna cut so much of that so that was <laughs> and kind of some previews of james minas's music you can check out what he's got currently available online on spotify and all those things there's also a track listing uh in the description of this podcast um yeah thanks for listening i don't know kind of how much people will still listen to this but you know it's kind of very sporadic so it's kind of hard to tell and stats that way i'm not doing it every week like i used to in regards to that i do want to try and pick this up but the main issue i'm facing is you know having enough time and having the right gear i really want to start doing podcasts with more than one person in the room but i'm kind of limited by the fact i only got two microphones that i own at the moment that kind of work in that way uh, and the money I was going to spend on a new microphone is probably now going to have to go on a new laptop because this one is breaking to hell. Otherwise, the podcast is now on Spotify, which is pretty cool. Um, I think they kind of opened it up to more creators to use Spotify. So if you've got friends who don't really listen to the podcasts on you know, downloads, uh, you can listen to it on Spotify or you already are listening to it on Spotify. So that's kind of cool. I'm kind of glad that's a thing now because I think, you know, only a handful of people actually still listen to podcasts in the way they originally kind of meant to be. So I kind of quite like the idea that you can stream the podcast now. So yeah, uh, keep stay tuned to the social media for the erratic control, kind of Facebook and things like that. And stay subscribed and stuff. And hopefully there'll be new podcasts soon. Haven't recorded anything new soon, but hopefully there'll be some stuff in the future. 
Um, yeah, thanks for listening and see you next time.